previously on the Simply Human podcast. Are you, you ready to do this? It's a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And I just get fired up and I jump up and down. Let's go, baby. Let's go. And then he just stopped and looked at me and turned and said, I am the, uh, I'm the coach. I'm the Special Olympics coach. <laughs> and, and so I, uh, I realized it. It's like, it's like, there's a race where they're like, they're competing with their coach. They get to hand the baton off to their coach. It's episode 92 of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's Mike Ritter. He is a personal trainer at Harbor Island Athletic Club in Tampa, Florida, if that sounds familiar, because Michelle Richards, who was on the show recently, is also a personal trainer at that same athletic club. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with the Benihana story, and we're up up with our Simple Human Tip of the week. How are you, Rick? I'm great. How are you, Mark? I'm doing good. Um, I did something really... You're doing well. Quit saying that. Mm. If you're going to kill me on grammar when I'm texting you, I'm going to kill you on grammar on your actual podcast presentation. Okay. And speaking, of, and speaking of calling people out on the air, oh, I, I made I made a, f- a rather large mistake on live radio last week. Live radio? Yeah. So our friend, our mutual friend, Lance Fleming... Oh yeah! Uh, you remember that radio show that they they were talking to me about doing like a five to six every night? I like a, a I sports... was wondering. I saw him doing that. And I was like, I wonder if they uh, approach Lance with the same idea. Well, I I sent the guy like we were going back and forth about it. And I sent the guy an email like, okay, here are all the weekends I'm going to be gone in September because I'm I'm gone like three out of four weekends in September. And to peel the curtain back slightly, a radio station in Abilene approached Mark with the idea of doing a sports talk show, which we have is a format that he and I both have worked in before. Yeah. We actually worked together in that for for a while. That's your, was your start. In the media yes. was uh, working on the show, but yeah, so, there you go. So, so, but, you so we're like, I email a guy, and he's gonna like send me an employment agreement or something to figure out, you know, the the compensation structure and all that. Well, the next thing I know, like Lance texts me and he's like, "Hey, I'm doing the show on the ticket." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess they, uh, I guess they went a different route. Probably listened to this show, and we're like, nah, we don't want to be associated with that guy." But Lance, since I do some TV work in the in the fall on. Friday night. That's the bragging montage. I, I, that's not that. It's like you saying I'm a cop. I, do, I just I do some TV work, you know, in the fall. What, know, so how am TV I supposed work. to say that? I do some freelance reporting. Is that on a TV station? I don't think there's any way to say it without adding that to bragging montage. <laughs> okay, so I do some freelance work up at a TV station, and and it's high school football. So because of that, every Thursday I'm going to come on with Lance for ten minutes and do like a high school football preview. Oh, okay. Well, last week he had me in studio. To do like a thirty-minute high school. Is it the same preview. studio that you and I used to work in, which no. literally was the size of a very small closet? It was smaller. Not even a regular closet. It was the size of a small closet. I think this studio might have been smaller than that one. It was. It was really crazy. So we're like crammed into this deal, and uh, what she said. And uh, so I've got you know I've got my Dave Campbell's magazine, which is like the Texas football magazine. I've got the newspaper, and I've got all the stuff printed off, and I've done. I've spent about a half an hour taking some notes, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about. There's three big high schools here in town. Then there's you know forty other little high schools in the region, and so I had little notes and about the districts and the, you know all this stuff. So we get to talking, and we're you know sort of going back and forth about you know it's, it's kind of. Uh, you know, jabbing at each other, kind of back and forth. Without, you know, and then he's like, "All right, you know what? Let's get into it." Uh, Mark, give us the uh, opening weekend. What's it look like? And I'm like, well, Allen High's got such and such at home, and then Cooper's the next night is playing Saturday night at home, and then Wiley's got such and such, and and uh, they're on the road, and it's gonna be a good night at Shotwell, two back to back, you had a Friday and Saturday, and I'm like talking on and on and on and on about this opening weekend, 
and lands on live live radio goes hey uh mark man i hate to do this to you um <clears throat> i think you got last year's schedule <laughs> Okay, so and if I can add that to this list of funny stories of Mark, we have the uh, – if I may refresh your memory briefly, Mark was Mavericks, working TV. Yeah. He had the the kids come up who wanted to tour the station, and one of them was a huge Mavericks fan. And Mark's like, no, no, no. I'm the world's biggest Dallas Mavericks fan ever. Ask me anything. I know every coach, every draft pick, every game yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Ask me anything, period, about the Dallas Mavericks. I guarantee I know the answer. And the kid goes, who do they play tonight? And Mark goes, I don't know <laughs> yeah so this is like so this, this is literally on the same level this isn't that. like who's who's playing who's the backup right guard this is like what is the schedule yeah what who what are the games tomorrow <laughs> step one knowing the games well and i printed it off the the newspaper website and i guess they just had updated yep it's the same teams right like a lot of times teams will play like a home and home yeah so yeah, the yeah. teams were all the same, the same week, and yeah. the dates were pretty close you know it's kind Gosh, of the end of august idiot. yeah that is so, really funny well so, so i was like well i'm fired yeah it was like the first that was like the first thing i said so i ruined all credibility so like the rest of the time i would he would say something and i'd be like you know what i think sean lee might come in and play some for the abilene high eagles and you know, i think they're playing on the moon they're gonna play the cowboys and so just like making stuff up that reminds me of uh very briefly when i was when i, I was in tv we had like a sunday show and maybe uh, i don't know if this is a big deal ever but like we had like a extended length like a 20 minute sports show on sundays where we you know more highlights more stories yada yada and we'd have a guest every week oh this is funny this is i was filling in for the uh weekend sports guy and so i don't do this show very often so i'm a little in over my head he you know i'm not quite experienced well the guest was the basketball coach for one of the high schools in town and I'm not kidding you. I spent zero time paying attention to high school basketball because on my day, that's they played basketball games on my days off. So I didn't ever have to know anything about high school basketball ever. Any of the teams, I don't even know if they were good or bad. I literally, literally knew nothing. So I, uh, George is the name of the guy that was the weekend guy, and he took off. So I call him and I was like, hey, hey, George, uh, coach, whatever his name is, is coming for the interview for the for the in studio uh, guest on Sunday. I know nothing about basketball, about the high school basketball scene here. You got to tell me stuff to ask because I don't know. And he's like, okay. Here, and he gives me all these questions to ask. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm writing them down. Well, literally, like the very first, one of the first two questions I asked was something to the effect of, all right, coach, uh, you guys are, are battling with uh, with Midland Lee High School for top of the district, and you guys had a game last week, and you know it was kind of chippy and kind of testy. What can you guys expect for that matchup next time? And he's like, "Well, yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't played them yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we play them in a couple weeks." And this so was I don't, live, I don't, live. I don't know what to tell you. It's like live on yeah. TV. He's like, "I don't know what to tell you." And I was like, "Oh God, well." I'm pretty terrible at my job, so <laughs> goodbye. Explain to me oh what basketball God. is. It's a peach basket is, and a round ball. What is double dribbling? I, that is the. I have. We could do TV stories of yeah. all the dumb things I've done on TV. When, in the two years I did it, that's probably the most embarrassed I was because I look like a total idiot. I don't think I've told the like. The story just real quick, and then we'll get we'll get to our interview with Mike. But um, no, no Sasquatch lovemaking uh, on this show is kind of disappointing. But um, yeah, it's very disappointing. Um, and uh, 
you know, you have what's called the sports bump where, at, you know, the, they'll throw it to you and you'll say, hey, coming up in sports, um, Rick Bentley. Yeah, it's, like a little, it's a little thing before the commercial break before that you, hey, coming up, we'll have highlights from such and such game. So don't uh, don't turn don't turn away. Don't touch the channel. Don't touch the dial. Right, but so touch I, was, I, I combined keep it here with stick around. And I said, coming up and see how the Dallas Cowboys are doing. Stick it here. And then it went to commercial, and I was like, ah, oh, don't stick it here. Oh, no, no, not that. here. I mean, you can stick it here, but not here. Very <laughs> small choice here. I'm about, about at my job. We uh, really need to consider doing, like, dumb TV things because I was very, very bad. I was very, very bad. We you were to, good. I was Well, bad. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, we need to find – we need to, like, find more uh, – Susan has stuff. a ton yeah. of stuff, dude. We need to post more of that. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get to our interview with Mike. Yes, uh, yes. Very cool uh, stuff that they're doing. The result called in the Fitness Revival book that they've got. We talk more about that. Uh, before we get there, find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Go to, when you go to that website, click on the store page and you'll see you can buy t-shirts uh, and then stuff that we uh, uh, use and that we buy and, and promote uh, as far as the primal professional, the, the zero drop dress you with a false heel, the look really professional we've got the nutrients the skinny fat uh the the same stuff jonathan baylor stuff is on there um really like all of the products that we talk about a lot on here that we talk about because we believe in they're on there yeah so, so go there and browse through and you know give it a shot there you go like us on facebook and subscribe on youtube follow me on instagram and twitter at simplyhuman 52 uh email the show simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com you can email rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So, our interview yes. with Mike, we talked to him about his background, a Denny's breakthrough, separating food and nutrition, potluck dinners, eggplants, imagining stressors, stress-causing carb cravings, decision fatigue, controllable versus uncontrollable stress, reading, and spending time with family. Here's Mike. Joining us today on the Simply Human <laughs> podcast, we have Mike Ritter, and uh, let me let me read off some of this stuff. He's an NASM certified personal trainer, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner in training, an NASM corrective specialist, and a VIPR certified. Uh, he's a personal trainer at Harbor Island Athletic Club. That might sound familiar because we talked to Michelle Richards, also an MR, Rick. Weird. Oh, well, everyone's got the initials MR. Except for Rick. He's left out. Mike, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm great. Awesome. Awesome. So, Mike, if you will just sort of give us your background, um, starting from when you first sort of started on the path to where you are now, and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably say that you're still on a path, you know, in the journey. it's the journey, it's not the destination, right? So give us the, uh, the, the Mike Ritter story. Well, the Mike Ritter story starts in uh, 1983. I was born in Wagner, Oklahoma. Perfect. Actually, wow. what, can you can you go back farther? Like, what were your like? What did your parents do? Like, what? How did they conceive you? Mark is being funny. You don't have to say any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes uh, it goes way back, but the uh, all the way to the Paleo times. Oh, sweet. Bazinga. <laughs> there he goes. Uh, so we got Adam and Eve, right? And they're hanging yeah. out in this yeah. garden, right? And a snake is really... Go ahead. Messing things up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got our one Bazinga in. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my uh, story, I guess, starts right about 2001, 2002-ish. Um, I played college baseball at a uh, university called Weber International University. It was a very, very small school, um, played football and baseball in high school, moved on to this college. 
um, and decided to choose my college based on baseball alone. You know, they gave me an offer and I went, which is always a bright idea to choose your college based on sport accolades alone. Correct. And so I went on, played two years there, uh, ended up hurting my knee a couple times along with being frustrated and, you know, learning the life of a college athlete where your your life is ultra structured, you're getting up early in the morning, you're, you're working out, go to class 8 to 10, uh, and then, you know, playing a little nine ball. And uh, pool in the meantime. In some cases, uh, uh, abusing women uh, falls in there for college stop. athletes. Stop. Uh, that, not that good. That culture did not exist right. at my school. <laughs> me so. either. Me either. Okay. Absolutely. We have stand-up schools. <laughs> I will not I will not say I participated in any of that whatsoever. Good. Very good. On the record, he's publicly saying that he is distancing himself from that culture. Okay, continue. <laughs> and so, uh, basically, after, after that went on for about two years. I decided that, you know, the, the college baseball life wasn't for me anymore. Um, I just kind of got burnt out and decided to join some of my friends at quote unquote, a normal college and live quote unquote, the normal college life. And, um, that obviously led me to a lot of beer, a lot of pizza and gained 45 pounds in just mm. a matter of a couple of years. Slower. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was some hard work. Matter of fact, I think I worked harder at gaining weight than I did at baseball, <laughs> which explains a lot. So I feel like any time that you're a competitive person at heart, though, which I which I truly am, uh, it eventually came back. Like there was a point where, you know, I got around some new friends in Tampa. Um, if you know me, you've you've heard the story a million times. But like there's there's a there was the turning point when I moved to Tampa and I went to uh, university of South Florida and got around some new friends that didn't know the old competitive me and the one who played sports and whatnot. Um, and they just met me as 45 pounds heavier, Mike. And so when your name is Mike, you get nicknamed typically to separate yourself from other mics that people know. It's just so many mics around. So there's very good Mike, point, short yeah. Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mark so, has the same uh, problem. Yeah, Indian Mike or whatever, and I ended up being Chubby Mike. Oh no! <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and so, you're like Fat so, Mike over here. Here comes Fat Mike. You're like, oh, can I get a different nickname, guys? Uh, yeah, here's my old pictures. I promise. I'm. I wasn't always this way. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that was just like unacceptable to me. And I, you know, when I, I, I'll bet there's a there's some listeners out there that can relate that. When you are overweight or you have uh, created a different lifestyle for yourself, so to speak, that is conducive to gaining weight, your self-perception has not caught up with other people's perception typically. And you see the old you. You're able to envision uh, yourself thinner than you actually are, maybe not accept reality. And I was just, I was just blind to the fact. And so that was a huge wake-up call and a huge turning point. And I decided that enough was enough. And my girlfriend at the time wanted to lose weight for a wedding, ironically, right at the same time. And we just took off. And I just so I started getting around some people that wanted to lose weight also started like with your just general typical food guidelines, exercise guidelines. And um, Mark, you're a you're a strength and conditioning coach at a college, correct? Uh, That's not my full time job, but I do have like... For for the record, I have a I have a strength coach certification and I work with athletes at a university, but that is not my. That translates job. to Mark hanging around the gym, going, "Hey guys, you, you want to work out with me? Oh, hey guys, you want to work out with me? <laughs> you want to you want to bench press? Can you spot me on a bench press? No, no, no one wants to spot me. Okay, yeah, but yes. Well, I I don't know if this is your experience, but with my experience, um, 
athletes in sports typically now this does not cover everybody but typically in a general scale athletes are fairly lazy oh yeah in the weight room like they're very talented typically and again that doesn't count for all there's some exceptional athletes you know that they're out there really doing some good work but generally you practice so much your mind is so much on your sport you care so much about your sport but when it comes to actual strength and conditioning work it's really hard to motivate people so once i once i decided to kind of flip the switch and actually become um an exerciser on the other end and actually, you know, decide to lose weight and join a gym and pay the membership and all that, I realized I had no, uh, no earthly idea what to do. <laughs> I could not draw from anything in my history. I, of all of the, you know, the football weightlifting and everything is almost like blank slate. And so I had to, you know, do reg- the regular internet research and I got books like eat this, not that, and just some, whatever I could find. And I remember one of the big points with me when I realized nutrition was becoming an issue. I think uh, I'd lost 15, 20 pounds at the time. And uh, one of my friends loves, absolutely loves the story and I hate it. But I was eating uh, breakfast at a Denny's and she was into nutrition and everything. Her name is Mikey. And I, I texted her and said, hey, you know, she was giving me some help at the time. She said, hey, how many calories is a lumberjack slam? And at Denny's, and uh, it turns out my breakfast at the time was about twenty one hundred calories. Hmm. Wow. And so that is a lot of calories. That's a lot of calories. So that was one of the first eye opening things where I was like, okay, well, well, maybe I need to change my eating habits because clearly I'm not going to keep losing weight like this. So anyway, so the story goes on. I hired a personal trainer myself um, at the time. I needed guidance, and I am just a very curious dude, and I think I just annoyed the guy to the point where he was he just handed me a certification book he's like here dude read this um after just asking question after question after question and uh so i looked through a certification book and i thought hey you know i really enjoyed coaching when i was coaching little league baseball and all that let me see if coaching is in my future i got certified as a personal trainer and the rest just took off cool hmm. and so i know we talked to michelle but <clears throat> tell us what it is you guys uh, are doing and we'll talk about the book in a minute but as far as like kind of your day-to-day uh, job, like what it is that you're doing? Uh, I am a coach at Harbor Island Athletic Club, and uh, that's in Tampa, Florida. And we um, we take on uh, uh, personal coaching sessions with our one-on-one clients. We do group sessions. We have some uh, we have some, like I said, uh, like high intensity training groups. Um, and in the meantime, uh, while we while we are you know going through the coaching grind. We are generating material online at resultcult.com. We wrote our book. We have um, some online coaching that we do, um, and it's all based on, you know, our philosophy of, you know, a qualitative approach to stress, you know, diet and movement. And so it's basically, you know, based around that in-house at Harbor Island Athletic Club and then some, um, some online coaching elsewhere. Cool. So what, give us your like philosophy. Um, let's start with uh, nutrition. Like what is, what is your nutrition philosophy? What are things that people are doing right now? Like what, what, where are people messing up the most in your opinion? Well, I, I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say I, I don't always look at it at the point of, of where are people messing up, but I will say that the it, it's very important when you talk about diet to separate food from nutrition and we we kind of call this a qualitative diet approach but 
I, you know, when I'm, when I'm approaching somebody about diet, I, it's a very important for me to identify those two subjects, food and nutrition. Food has a connotation of uh, social behavior, community. Um, it has an emotional tie-in. There's some business uh, association with, their, with, with food, the word food. Um, when I talk about nutrition, it's literally just chemistry. And so being able to separate those ideas, it, 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 what, what's the likelihood I can have a conversation with you about nutrition without any emotional attachment to it? It's very unlikely and because we, you know, if you guys get into the evolutionary stuff, like we are, we are, you know, uh, pack animals. We, we like community. We do well in communities. We do well in herds. And um, you have to have that kind of association with it. So when you, but when you break that away and you're literally just talking about chemistry, that's also very boring. It also doesn't make sense <laughs> to people's DNA. Right. Right. If I, um, you know, if I just talk about, you know, vitamin A, vitamin K, potassium, you lose 80% of the group unless you're, you know, one of the one well, 20% that really geeks out on chemistry and, and how things interact. It's very unlikely that I'm going to keep your attention there. So it's important for us to like, separate those two, identify them, and, and then eventually how they go together. And so our Real Food Project chapter in the book kind of talks about both of those in, in, a, in one breath. Yeah, and let's actually, that's a, good, that's a good time to talk about the book. The Fitness Revival, uh, we'll have a link to the, to the book. It's on Amazon in the show notes. Um, what is it like nine ninety nine? I think that's the price. Nine ninety nine. Yeah, and it's a yeah. You were gracious enough to to send me a copy of it, and I have been working through it, and I, I'm just like sort of nodding my head, like yes, 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 learning new stuff. Nodding as well. your head, yes, not nodding your head like you're gonna go to sleep. Right, nodding right, right. Like I'm, an agreement, like <laughs> yes, this is a great idea. I think it's right. terrific. I, I read it at night right before I go to bed, so because it just puts me right to sleep. I, it's great. <laughs> it's, um, it's, no. per, it's perfect for that. Yeah. We really recommend people read it right before they go to bed. That should that should fix any fix any sleep problems, all insomnia. <laughs> it's really quite great in that respect. Yeah. Mike, how do you bridge the gap, like you said, between like the the science of nutrition and then like the people, how people are about food? How do you get from one to the other to help? Because I I don't know if you've ever listened to our show. Mark is nutrition expert, strength conditioning coach, man, and I am just everyday Joe Sixpack over here trying to live a healthy life. And so I'm one of these people that you talk about. If you start going, you know, nerding out on the nutrition, that I'll just you'll lose me real quick. How do you bridge that gap for regular people that you talk to, that you deal with? Well, in our case, we we decided to attack it with. Um, we do workshops regularly around you know any, anyone that'll that'll take us in the Tampa area. We've done quite a few corporate ones, and then quite a few at our club that are based around nutrition and some education. But all of those are community based. So we get communities together so everyone's learning together, number one, and we'll typically do it in a potluck fashion to where um, we'll either have it catered if people kind of have no idea what to bring. Uh, We have some, you know, affiliates around here. We're very close with Paleo on the go. I don't know if you're familiar with that company, but they're based out of Tampa and we're very close with them so they can cater and kind of show people some options with food. So um, at our club, we kind of started our whole result called business as um, basically me and Michelle being trainers there that, you know, we're very social people and people kind of liked us and started training with us and we started doing some CrossFit with everyone and, you know, CrossFitters tend to really bond together very, very well and these people started, you know, hanging out outside of the gym and before you know it, we're influencing them in a positive way. We, you know, we, we take our own approach with the whole CrossFit stuff and which Michelle 
you know, explain the whole movement stuff. But then right. people were coming to us with the same diet questions. And so we were referring books out. And eventually we, it came to the point where we had a community of people that were, you know, it, I would say 12 to 15, just something fairly small, that were asking us very similar questions throughout the day. So we decided to hold a potluck. And so they came. That's a really, to, really unique idea, by the way. That's the first I've ever heard of someone, like, instead of lecturing someone, or I read this book, or let me chart this out. Like, hey, why don't you come over, and we're going to have some food, and we'll talk about food while we're eating food. I, I don't know. That's the, it's, it's genius in its simplicity, I think. It's, it, yeah, it's a very simple idea. And, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's very, you know, it works in a complex way because you have the, we have the community aspect, and when mm -hmm. people are inspired and excited, um, uh, when people are ex excited and inspired together, they're much more willing to receive information. They're in, they're in an excited state. So whatever they're going to learn at that time, they're much more, more, much more uh, apt to remember and retain and apply to their own lives. So now you also have this built-in accountability system at the end after the potluck and days after and weeks after where people are sharing recipes. And, of course, you know, developing some Facebook and social media presence uh, helps because then you have a little bit of that social aspect. But then... Uh, we also decided to start result called field trips, where we would take people on uh, whether it's a, a 5K or a a um, we have a tree ropes course and paddle boarding around the area. So you keep that community bond and you kind of develop that support system around people. And in that in that time, people are much more willing to receive some of the more you know, boring nutrition-based information because they're receiving it in an excited state and in a community which is a very comfortable state for human beings to live in. Hmm. Yeah, very cool. I used to, you know, Rick and I used to do potlucks, but he would always only bring like eggplants and cucumbers and things. Um, yes, if you're not so. catching that, uh, he's making a penis-shaped food joke, Mike. So that's, uh, you're getting the full <laughs> spectrum of Mark Riders today. We all have right. two bazingas. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> all right, we're, we're 67 away. Okay, so um, tell us about like the, the your stress stuff. I know that's an important deal to you, and I know you guys have dabbled in heart rate variability, maybe more than dabbled, but explain sort of your stance on stress and, uh, and the, the negative effects the, and the positive effects that it can have. Well, stress is, stress is always, I would say, one of the more fun topics for me to talk about because it influences so many things in our lives that it, also, it, it can easily go unobserved. Um, and one thing that I make very clear in the book is that we have controllable stress and uncontrollable stress. And then it's also important to understand that there, stress is a different concept than stressors. And stress is literally just your response to your external environment. And as it changes, it's important for you to understand how to react to it if you're going to manage your stress correctly. Um, ergo, you know, dietary changes and understanding like some of these concepts behind diet is very important because as life changes, you're going to need to know how to respond to it both emotionally, dietary-wise, movement-wise, all of these things. So the fitness revival takes all of these stressors and kind of like we, we frame it in a way where people can understand how interdependent all of these things are, how you respond to stress movement-wise, dietary, and emotionally. And uh, one unique thing that human beings have as far as a stress response versus other animals is that we can imagine our own stress. So if you take an animal out in the wild that doesn't necessarily have a neocortex, you know, one of the larger 
part of our brain, um, they have a, virtually the same stress response that we have where as soon as uh, there's a uh, stress-related event, um, you know, an animal in the wild getting hunted to where, wherever, you have an adrenal response, a cortisol response, all of these hormonal responses that spring you into action, motiv- mobilize glucose to your muscles, all of those things. And in the meantime, they are springing into action, and then once the stress event is over, they kind of go back to normal. That neocortex on the outside of our brain, that more human, the newer, the neo part of our brain, allows us to imagine stressors because it has a creative side to it. We have a lot of uh, capabilities with that part of the brain that other animals don't. So when I am in traffic, uh, say I woke up early, or I woke up late for work and I am on my way to work and I'm afraid that I'm going to be late, that stress response literally starts in the car by itself without your muscles moving. So when I have adrenaline going and I have all these hormones going and glucose being mobilized to the muscles, it literally gets to the muscles and then your muscles aren't moving. Your muscles say, I don't need this glucose. So what do you think happens to it? Boom. Obviously, there's only one option and that's storage. Right. And so I'm sure you've gone over this a bunch of times with your, with your listeners, but that's a very important concept to understand because now we have, we have somebody, we, we have that stress response at the, root of, um, at the root of a lot of other cascading chronic health issues when you're under chronic stress frequently, which, as we know, our society is set up to, uh, or it's, it's very prone to chronic stress and these yeah. re- repetitive um, kind of under the radar stressors such as artificial lighting, uh, very task driven society where we're constantly task driven, task driven, task driven. And then uh, I have an article on robwolf.com called uh, Why Stress Causes uh, Carb Cravings. And so you have, you know, all of these hormone swings throughout the day causing carb cravings at night, possibly, which obviously has its own effect once you load up on carbs late, late at night with low blood sugar, and then the cycle begins. Yeah, so I, that's really interesting because I've never, you know, we talk a lot about the the importance of stress management from like a like a parasympathetic response here, but you know, I I'm really interested to read that article that you you said about uh, that you put on Rob's website because it seems like there are times where you know I have weak willpower because I oh, I just don't want to eat a pizza, and it's not because I want to eat a pizza; it's just my brain feels like it's driving me to eat you know, things that I know that I shouldn't. And I never really kind of made that connection that maybe it's my body's like condition response to stress. Like you're saying, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah we, we, we tend to, we tend to lend willpower to some spirit that we call upon and yeah. you know, if it comes, it comes. And when, when literally your emotions are chemicals and it's very important to understand that, that when you're happy, that's a hormone swing of happy hormones. When you're sad, it's, you know, vice versa. So the things that you do and the inputs that you have and the way that you respond to your, to your environment and whether you're a high reactor to stress, a low reactor to stress, are you hyper-associative to your stress, dissociative to your stress? There's all of these little nuances that go along, and we, we explain that thoroughly in the, in the fitness revival, that there are, there, are, there are mechanisms behind willpower and decision fatigue. And I don't know if you guys have gotten in decision fatigue before, but that's something that's being researched heavily right now in psychology circles. And um, as a matter of fact, what is that? What is that? It is the fact like you have a certain amount of, of, you know, decisions you're going to make in the day. And then once you run out of, you know, once you make your decisions, then it's like, okay, I'm your brain's like, no more decisions. Go eat a pizza. Yeah. And if you take the evolutionary end, we, uh, we kind of evolved with, uh, 
we didn't have billboards and iPads with you know pop-ups popping up and we weren't traveling at high speeds. So our decisions were relatively, you know, I, I would say very important decisions and acute stressors were few and far between. So now um, we, we drive to work and people don't realize that every time you change lanes, that's a decision. Every time you decide to tap the brake and not hit the car in front of you, you that was the, a decision. Yeah, change the radio station. It was a good station. decision, yeah. and, but it was a decision. And you have only so much chemical willpower in, in, in your brain, and depending on how you're setting up your day, uh, somebody who is having trouble uh, having the motivation to eat the right foods, um, I have, because of this, I have a hard time just blaming their motivation. I, we can usually backdoor and start eliminating unnecessary decisions like checking your email every five minutes or you know, going on Facebook every five minutes, which are decisions and producing anxiety. You are kind of wearing away that ability to make good decisions later on the day. And I was reading a study the other day, um, or maybe it was last week, on some Israeli judges that were, uh, that were in charge of you know, giving... Uh, parole throughout the day, and they I guess they did this month long study, um, and I can send it to you guys if you want to post it up on your notes or yeah, please post do. it up on your blog. Yeah. But um, basically, I think they I believe they said I may you know botch these numbers up, but again you'll get the study. But they uh, I, I believe less than a third of the inmates got parole granted to them after 3 p.m. Huh where at least two-thirds were granted parole before noon. Wow. And this was consistent throughout the entire study. And these are judges. These are, these are people which we would consider uh, very objective, very good decision-makers, people that are kind of in the decision-making realm, people at mm-hmm. the top of their game. These are the elite athletes of decision-making. There's, uh, there's somebody in even prison. they suffered from decision fatigue over the course of a day. There's somebody in prison right now that's listening to this. It's like, uh, can I get my rural hearing rescheduled to 4 p.m., please? No? <laughs> right. Wow, I never really considered that. Like, uh, you know, we talk about that sometimes, but, you know, that decision fatigue, I'd never heard that labeled before, but... It, that's why when my wife is like, what's for dinner? And at the long, end of a long day, I'm like, I don't know. Just put food in my mouth. I don't know. <laughs> it's because I'm tired of making decisions. And, you know, uh, it seems like most of the people that I talk to struggle. They struggle later in the day with, the, you know, I want to eat ice cream for dessert. Or, you know, I want to watch TV instead of work out after work. Maybe that's why. Oh, that's exactly why. And, wow. And like, it, all, it all sort of starts with sort of another topic that we could talk about shortly um and that's sleep because if if you don't get enough sleep you wake up like almost like basically like at a at at the end of the day in your like decision making decision fatigue right so if you already wake up and you're exhausted well like it's it's 8 a.m and you're where like a normal person would be at like 7 p.m right uh so not getting enough sleep you talk about adding stress uh, to a system. So what, what do you guys, uh, actually, let me ask you this. What do you, how do you guys, uh, tell people, what do you tell people to, to manage their stress and to reduce their stress? First of all, separate your controllable from your uncontrollable stressors. Number one, um, there are, you know, things in your life that just flat out aren't going to change. It's, it's kind of unrealistic to ask somebody just to, you know, drop their job because it's stressful and you know let's just you know call a spade a spade a lot of people aren't willing to do that even if they need to and there are some people where I've 
I, you know, I, we can kind of narrow down the fact that their job is producing, is, is their primary source of stress, and they still won't give it up. So, number one, you can kind of identify uh, stressors that you can and can't control. Mostly, diet is something that people control. How you, how you move is something that people can control. Um, when, you, when you're talking about emotional stress, uh, you can do things throughout the day, um, like go for a walk. There's a lot at, at noon around lunchtime, you can get mobile, maybe walk somewhere instead of, uh, instead of right in your car. There's some small things in, in the book. We kind of go through the benefits of, of, uh, the benefits of sunlight and all that good stuff. But another thing that's really important is, is the toxicity of stress can change based on the other things that you do. And I'll make an analogy here is that uh, Chris Kresser and, and uh, what was his name? Chris Masterjohn do some work with vitamin A. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they've, you know, they've published some work on vitamin A, which I think is fantastic. And the, toxic, or the, the, the American guidelines of vitamin A is right around 2,500 to 3,000 IU. And above that, starts, they started uh, observing toxic levels of vitamin A or producing toxic effects in the body. That's only if you're deficient in vitamin D. And then if you have enough vitamin D in your system, the level of toxicity of vitamin A can raise up to 200,000 IU in a 160-pound person just by having enough vitamin D in your system. So by having a, say, a qualitative diet approach where you're eating quality foods and non-inflammatory foods, things that aren't uh, harming your gut, that can also produce a snowball effect into the rest of your life. It changes the toxicity levels of other stressors. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it does. It does. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's um, the other part. It's like everything's connected. Like people think that they can, you know, not get good sleep, but they're eating good and that's going to be okay. Or they, they're bad on their diet well, as long as they're exercising. Like it's, you can't separate the, the big inputs of health. They all have to work together. And, and I think yeah, that's, and, what, that's what we spend so much time connecting our four pillars of the Simply Human Lifestyle, Mark. They eat like a human, move like a human, uh, sleep like a human, and enjoy life like a human. That they're all interconnected to web. It's kind of like what you're saying. So we're all kind of preaching the same message yeah. maybe just in different manners but uh yeah. definitely have the same the same idea now we're uh one more time what's the name of your book the fitness revival it's, a, it's you- available on amazon.com yeah and I'll, okay. I'll have that link to the show notes and uh, uh yeah and like like what you're saying about sort of everything being uh, interwoven it's like you can't like there is science behind it like we can we can sit out here mike can sit out here sit here all day and talk about vitamin a and vitamin d and i use and all that stuff like it's all there the science is there but like you don't need to, uh, to to know it. You know, you just do things that humans were designed to do, and the rest will take care of itself. So yeah, cut me out of the science. I don't need to. I will right. stipulate to you guys. I will stipulate to the the science part of it because I'm not a science man. I don't have a white coat and a clipboard <laughs> anywhere in my house. If you just like, uh, as long as you know, we can come to this, you know some kind of an agreement on it. Yeah. I just need to know the what to do sometimes, right. and that's that's uh, that's where I feel like uh, your book uh, will help some of our listeners out who may uh, have questions because we're always looking for good material to back up kind of what we're saying. It sounds like we kind of have the same mission statement here. And, Thanks, and Mike, 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 real yeah. quick, um, I got to ask you the question. We're right, about, we're almost out of time. Um, actually, before I ask you the last question, like we've got the Facebook page, uh, slash, you know, Facebook, Facebook.com slash the result cult result. Result cult. com. God, you're talking. Uh, you need some, I know I need help. Yeah. Uh, need to slow down a little here. bit. Um, I've got the link to the book. Any, anything else, anywhere else that we can find you or, uh, uh, connect with you? Uh, it's easy to find us there. Uh, 
the result called at gmail.com is our email. Everybody's more than welcome to contact us there. Um, this is just, you know, it's, it's a great privilege to get on here with you guys and chat it up. And, you know, one of our objectives is to show people just how simple this stuff can be. Kind of like you said, uh, you know, this, uh, we, we provided a lot of science and we provided a lot of backup for what we're saying and reinforcement. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the best thing we can do is teach people how to listen to biofeedback. And just listen to your body because you'd be really surprised what it's telling you. And if you do what it's asking you to do, you know, it, if you're listening to those signals, you'd be very surprised at how simple some of these things can be. That's a great, great point. And I yeah. feel like that's the, the listening to biofeedback because if you're not listening to how your body is, is responding, then you're not going to know if it's going well or going poorly. And Okay, so Mike, we've gotten to the last question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. What Give is something that you enjoy about life or one thing you do – to make life more enjoyable. Um. Well, let's see. I I do read a lot. That's something that's enjoyable to me. But I got a three-year-old kid and a wife, and they're both awesome. Um, I like spending time with them, and uh, writing music. Sweet. Oh, that's a good one. We haven't heard that one before. Yeah. Writing music. Very good. Excellent. There yeah. you go, Mike Ritter. We've got uh, all of his stuff that will be in the show notes. We really appreciate you being yeah, on. Yeah, I appreciate. Well, uh, hang out for just a second. I'm gonna stop the recording, but really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the Simple Human podcast. You got it. You're listening to the Simply Human podcast. It is well. You know what? Let's just do this. Uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, for your time and your efforts in sort of helping people understand uh, the best ways to be the healthiest versions of themselves. And like I said, yeah. we've got all this stuff on the, uh, on the show notes. Go there uh, and buy his book. It's 10 bucks. Yeah, it's really... How, it's, much, how many things do you waste $10 yeah, on in the seriously. course of a week? Well, this is an investment. Yeah. This isn't wasting 10 bucks. Go read his book. I'm really, really super excited about reading this. Mike and, Mike and Michelle were freaking awesome guests. Yes. Okay, it is now time for the Humans Being Human segment, um, and this is a story that... Uh, First of all, before we get into this, I'd like to say, I'd like to give some groundwork on the failed Humans Being Human we, segment we just tried to record. About that? Okay. I would like to tell everyone that Mark called a childhood friend of ours... Who's going to be on the show in the future. But he didn't tell him, hey, we're going to call you and uh, have a funny story, and so Mark just Skype calls him, which when you Skype call someone at some random, like... Number from Florida. He knew I was calling. So he knew I was calling. Goes hello. Sees this weird number, and Mark has Mark doesn't tell him. Hey, come up with a funny story, man. We're gonna call you into a second. He knew that we were both calling. I think you know he's he'll be on later, and so we're not gonna air that segment because. So Mark's a real idiot. Yeah. Uh, So if you ever get a phone, if you're a listener of this show and you get a random phone call, it could be Mark trying to ambush you and pull a segment out of you. Always, always have a story ready. You never know who's gonna. Okay, that's. I I did learn this. Always have a joke ready in your back pocket for when someone's like, "Oh, it's all a joke. You gotta have a good one." Yep. I always have uh, a, I have a joke in my pocket all yeah. the time. Okay, okay, go ahead. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories, and I'll tell you why. I think I mentioned this the other day on the show. I drive past the restaurant that this happened at uh, at least twice a week at work because it's right next to a psychiatric hospital. It's a lot of what I do is dealing with psychiatric patients and mental health people. So I drive past this, and I think about this story all, all the, time. the time, and just it's so – Ridiculous. Uh, we're gonna have to like kind of tag team this though, Mark, because I don't know. Okay. Like well, the planning that led up to it. I will. I will preface it by saying that this was sort of a 
perfect storm of like when Jackass was really popular. And yes, like, remember, yes. uh, what was the guy's name? Um, Johnny Knoxville? No, uh, Tom Green. Is, no. Oh, yeah, was it, yeah. Was it Tom Green? Slutmobile. Yeah, so like the <laughs> my, bum, my bum is on the lamp. Like, I was just actually reading Tom Green's Wikipedia page yesterday. Oh, really? That's weird. <laughs> it's very so strange. It, it was like that. It was like really funny and popular to take okay. a video camera out and like do crazy stuff. Okay, okay, real quick. I feel like this is the best way to tell the story. I'm going to start with my part and then I'll pause okay. and let you get in with yours. Okay, so this is homecoming my senior year and I'm assuming it's all the same, you know, nationwide but if you're an out-of-country listener typically uh high schools in the fall we have football here well they'll do like a homecoming and it doesn't mean what it used to be but basically it's a huge dance it's not like prom but it's like uh you wear you know you have a big group and you go somewhere fancy for dinner and it's kind of a big deal who you're taking to homecoming well my senior year i worked uh at mark's dad's bakery in the mornings before school because I played basketball and hockey and I couldn't have an after school job. I had to have a before school job. Well, there was a girl that worked there that Mark and I knew and a bunch of us knew. She went to a church uh, that was near ours and their youth group hung out with our youth group. That's how we knew each other. Her name was Ashley. And Ashley also worked at the at the bakery. And I had, I wouldn't like, on the scale of one to ten, one being like repulsed by and ten being like madly in love, I wouldn't like go a hardcore crush on Ashley, but I would say like it's a five or a six. I thought she was cute. I thought she was nice. Had we dated, and I, had Ashley and I already dated at this point? I'm not sure. I think so, but it's like right pretty close to it. it but, was, no, uh, you know what? It was the fall of my uh, junior year. It was your year, junior year, yeah. But that was when we dated for like a month. Okay, so this so might have been like after. literally right before or, or right after. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had kind of a crush on Ashley, and I was like, you know what? I could take her homecoming. And I know it's hard to believe the people listening to this who know me but i'm not exactly a ladies man and so i have only been out with like a few girls because i just get horribly nervous but i work up the courage to ask ashley to come to homecoming with me and this is like oh god it's painful but i get her and how we did homecoming at my school is you'd get a group you'd get a group of about 10 to 12 couples and you would uh all rent a limousine to go and you would uh, go somewhere nice for dinner. Basically like waste a whole bunch of money for no oh, reason. yeah. You would burn a ton of money. You would have to rent a did – we, we didn't do tuxes for homecoming, did we? No, I didn't. No, yeah. no, no. That's prom. Yeah. But you would, uh, you would go to a nice restaurant for dinner, not something crazy, but something nice. And then you would go to the homecoming dance afterwards. And then you would go to somebody's house after that and just kind of hang out, kind of like an all-night thing. Well – uh, I, I had a, a pretty solid group of, of guys and, and a couple girls that we all, you know, kind of did our things together. And so we all go to, uh, Benihana, which I think that's a, everyone knows what kind of restaurant that is. It's a hibachi, a, a Japanese steakhouse hibachi. They have the big, uh, the big griddle in the middle of the table and everyone sits around and the chef is like doing all this crazy stuff, chopping up the food really fast and putting stuff up. It's real crazy. It's wild. Is it and griddle? So that's where we're like, going to go for dinner. They were doing pancakes like on a griddle. Is that? Or did you no, say that's grill? what that is. That's a big flat top griddle is what they do that on, Mark. Oh, well, Idiot. Pancake. And so uh, Mark and uh, my, our other friend Jackson, we've referenced several times, they are uh, well, they on, go to can different I, schools that so have anything to do with this. So it, uh, I'll let you – we're going to go to Benihana's for dinner, and I'll let you pick this up from here. It, it, a side note. I asked three girls to homecoming my junior year, and they all three said no. Dude, that is why I would never – I, I was just so petrified yeah. of the rejection that if I asked a girl out, it might as well have been like, 
Oh God! Yeah. Oh, you want to get married? It was the same level of like just trepidation. So I didn't so. even ask anyone my senior year. I was just like, screw this. So it, that's a side note. But to say that okay. we went to different high schools, so your homecoming was not yeah, on the same right. night as Jackson went to a different school. So we had like the Saturday night off. We normally hang out, all hung out together. Yeah, the three of us usually would just every Saturday night, just to, you know, every. But I was off. That I was out doing my homecoming thing this Saturday. Yeah. Night, so so in the in this era of Jackass and Tom Green and we, had, you know portable cameras we decided we're gonna take the camera and just like and like follow rick around and, and record him secretly the whole night and so we started i, can't, I think we started we somehow found out where you guys were taking pictures or something we came over we got video of you like getting into the limo we followed you jackson was driving i had to we got to find this recording somewhere yeah it I, really is funny we're like being idiots and like the, doing the, commentary that, the, the only time. thing i can remember from this watching the video that you guys took was that like you're in the bushes of Benihana shooting video of us at the table and I'm standing up and I'm telling some story like you know using my hands like you know kind of like you can imagine I do and the narration of them behind is them mocking me going I'm Rick Bentley and I talk a lot and I've got a funny story to tell hey everybody look at me I'm a detention whore look at me look at me well (laughs) at some point like we were in the we're in the bushes you didn't see us at this point but like oh no 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 I'll tell about when I first discovered you guys that's a great part and one of the Benihana like waiters or someone like came out and they were like "Uh, can we help you guys like and we were like run for it and we like (laughs) ran back to his dad's Camry like and he wasn't like you know even like mad he was just like hey what are you guys doing no yeah so we end up back at plano east high school where the dance was and approached you in the parking lot and this is how i knew this was going on we're all walking up towards the school which is where they had the dance part at and we're walking in and all of a sudden i see and it's nighttime it's you know nine o'clock at night i see this blinding light right in front of me like a foot in front of me and i'm like oh god what and i put my hands up it's like you'd see the paparazzi videos of like uh you know the first celebrity that literally just came to my mind was Jason Priestley. That's I don't weird. think anyone's really uh, paparazziing yeah. that guy these days. But <laughs> like a famous person walking in and the flash bulbs going off and they're just soaring in because uh, that's how it felt. And I was like, oh god! And it took me. It seemed like uh, my memory is it took me like a minute to orient myself and realize what's happening. But I don't think it was quite that long. But they basically jump out in the parking lot with this video camera, shove it in my face, and they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, what's happening? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like putting the my hands up and the whole nine yards. Yeah. I don't even remember like uh, what they said or I what don't I think, said. I don't think Ashley was amused. Um, oh, she was most definitely not. Yeah. No, she was not. Didn't she like ask for some guy's number? Like? <laughs> oh, that's actually a funny story. I hope no one listening to this uh, is friends with her. I don't know if she knows that I did this. Well, we're in the homecoming group, we all go to somebody's house afterwards. And hey, maybe, uh, you, well, maybe you shouldn't say the last name part. Just say what she did to you and say that you just did. Don't okay, say yeah, yeah, what yeah, it yeah. was. Oh, so like, uh, yeah, because we don't want to give her identity away. I haven't talked to her years and years obviously but she uh we go to somebody's house after the dance and i you know i I wasn't like putting the moves on her but like i I felt like she asked a guy in our homecoming group who was with a girl there but it was just a going as friends kind of thing she was flirting with him and asked him for his phone number like right in front of me (laughs) like literally directly in front of me and it's probably my fault i'm probably sending a big signal you know he's just going as friends but I know we didn't explicitly said that. So literally when that happened, I was like, all right, let's go. 
Yeah. And so she got in my truck and I drove her all the way back to her house. She's like, and it's completely silent. She's like, is something wrong? She's like, nope. nope. Get out. Oh, here, here, get your bleeping tool out because I'm going to direct quote myself. We get to her house like, all right, get the f- out. <laughs> Just like pull up to her house and like barely even slow down to kick her out of my car. Well, another friend of ours in the group, <laughs> she was on the yearbook committee and she's compiling all these pictures for the yearbook. And trying to caption them and all this stuff. Well, she has several pictures of our homecoming group that are there, and she's trying to, you know, put the names there. Well, she doesn't know Ashley because Ashley goes to a completely separate school, and she asks me, "Hey, what's her last name?" And I say, "Oh, it's it was Skank. Her last name is Skank, which is not her last name at all." Uh, <laughs> and she was like, "Are you sure?" It's like, "No, yeah, yeah, that's her yeah, last like name. S- Ashley Skank. S C K A N, like and because so, I was still kind of harboring a little bit of a grudge yeah, from being disrespected, and so. so I didn't buy my senior yearbook because who cares? But I'm fairly certain if you find a yearbook from that year, uh, it is memorialized <laughs> my homecoming date in print for all of eternity as Rick Bentley and his date." homecoming date ashley skank uh, <laughs> approaching the homecoming dance and whatever year it was so we need to verify that maybe find a picture of it i really kind of the name out. Yeah. need to verify that that would be really funny and right. uh you know kind of a sorry I'm, I'm kind of an sob for that yes you are yeah um we are out of time humans being human and now uh i'll transition out of it hang on oh god oh god that's good armpit farts i'll take that <laughs> better than like uh better than something else so what did, like, you immediately knew what that was okay yes um all right that was human, and i don't have a tip of the week all right so i went and just went and found one really quick that was just a quick transition there um and here's the tip of the week something you can start doing to be a more healthy human uh and it's uh something from uh a, a book called excuses be gone by wayne dyer and this is a fake name prona <laughs> pronouncements oh I, I took a screenshot of someone named uh Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you. This is the most fakest name of all time. Okay. Man, great story yeah, for the really podcast. Per, I, I, <laughs> pronouncements versus commitments. Pronouncements. Pronouncements versus commitments. Man, you're on a roll today, pal. Can't yak time. Okay. Here is the quote. It's one thing to make a pronouncement in a moment of inspiration about what you intend to manifest in your life or what kind of person you intend to become. Quite another thing to make a commitment to holding that vision regardless of what difficulties or obstacles may surface. Holding the vision involves an unwillingness to compromise what you're visualizing for yourself. It means being willing to suffer through criticism in what appears to be an uncooperative universe. So if you like huh. so don't don't just make pronouncements. That's a tip. Make a pronouncement is more like when you get drunk with your friends and you're like, uh, I'm gonna run the marathon. <laughs> But a commitment is more like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and look at when uh, I'm going to train and when I want to do this and this this plan and and actually committing to doing it. Yeah. Do you know how many pronouncements I've made in my life? How about a thousand? Well, how about this? Here's a great example. You, you, You know, I know a lot of people, including myself, that do this with family or close friends. Like, hey, you know what? Let's we need to do lunch sometime. We need to get together more often. That's a great example. And then, like, and you never do unless you like buy the plane ticket or you make the reservation at the hotel or you like, you know, put it on the calendar. Like, don't just say you're going to do stuff. If you're going to do it, do it. You know. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, great tip. That's a great tip. If you're going to do something, do it. There you go. All right. Um, coming up next time on episode 93, we've already had our conversation with Kate Galliette. We have a really cool conversation about um, uh, sort of quality of life. Uh, yeah, type it's not stuff. the same stuff you're used to yeah. from hearing from Kate. It's uh, We're talking more about just kind of life stuff. It's not just movement specific. It's a really refreshing. I, I love her. She's so great. Yeah, she's awesome. To be on here. She's, such, she's like the third human. Yeah. If I die or you die, 
the show would could go on with Kate, I think. Or if I, you know, get promoted and I can't, I don't maybe, have afternoons free all the time. Or maybe like Rob Wolf like calls you to be on his podcast or something. <laughs> yeah. What you mean by promoted? <laughs> sure, that's likely. Yeah. Um, hey, and, we have an opening for Village Idiot. <laughs> Would you like to be on? Yes, I can Absolutely. make lots of six to nine jokes. <laughs> well, uh, we're we're still working on our two year anniversary celebrity guest. Uh, nothing to uh, report, but I'm still working on it. Um, so find us online at simply. Kurt, Kurt Schilling. We reached out to Kurt Schilling, but then he, you know, <laughs> tweeted a bunch of stuff about Nazis and Muslims and weird stuff. Yeah, so Lee. okay. Yeah. So Kurt Schilling is out. Uh, Bill Cosby's out. Jared Vogel. Uh, Hulk Hogan's out. out. Oh, uh, yeah, Jared, Jared Vogel. Vogel's out. Probably uh, just making a Jared Vogel joke. OJ like OJ Simpson is out. Uh, so just. Oh, uh, see, that's not that funny yeah, because Steve, he's his, he did his thing years and years. Steve, Sar- Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, okay. No one um, knows who that is. Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simplyhuman52. Uh, email the show at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com or, or uh, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. Please leave us a review. Any publicity is good publicity, good or bad. We don't care. So, that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... Hey, Rick. Um, I need to go to the bathroom and I'm really hungry. Hey, I need you to go to the, go to the bathroom, take your undies off and make a pee-pee, and then put your undies back on Look at me. Give me five minutes and I'll get you some food, okay? So until next time, enjoy yourself.